0: telecast the tv industry news review
1: hello and welcome to our second mipcom special show and i'm delighted to be joined by john elms international editor of broadcast making his debut on telecast john great for you to be on the show i, I i'm
0: truly honored justin you know i'm a, a big fan of telecast and to be participating in it. it feels a bit like signing for a football team you know you know your first day it's a, it's a really you know I've, I've, I've got hopes and dreams but no I'm I'm, I'm thrilled to be joining
1: you <laughs> it's great to have you on I know you you've been Warming up on the bench when uh, Jesse and Chris from Broadcast have already been on the shows, so you're the you're the third member of the uh, the broadcast editorial team. So uh, so it's it, it's great for you to join us, and you're going to talk us through some of the big stories mm. of the first day of Mipcom.
0: I am indeed, yeah, Justin. Uh, um, are we we've conversed. By a message ordinarily we'd be we'd be probably, you know, meeting up, either bumping into each other in the palais or, or on the croisette or in, in, in one of the establishments in Cannes to say hi and catch up. But it's been a it's been a bit of a weird weird time, obviously when we're, we're not there. And I think that's been slightly reflected in in the kind of Mipcom online plus offering. It's been a it's been a new new experience and and a bit quieter than usual, but I have had the benefit of, um, you know, listening into the, the the first keynote that occurred yesterday, which was a pretty big one, actually, you know, Ted Sarandos, the co-chief executive of Netflix, and he had some really interesting things to
1: say, yeah. Before we go into that, what's been going on to uh, broadcast recently, John?
0: Well, it, it's been non-stop, uh, Justin. Obviously, our, our recent rebrand of the magazine, the new, new edition, which I, I believe... Jesse came on to talk about as well in, in the past um, has been kind of keeping us all busy but last week I ran a pre-MIP kind of teaser event a taster event for distribution focus called Showcase Live it was part of our new content strand distributors showcase all about the global sales business and and the three sessions that we did were on burning topics that we think are are really important and kind of throwing up a lot of question marks in the in the industry and it was really good to do a kind of pre-MIPCOM panel session myself you know ourselves at Broadcast and really really organize our own set of events and 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 discussions about the the global content business.
1: Fantastic preparation obviously for MIPCOM online. Plus, So going on to MIPCOM's biggest TED talk ever it's it's co-CEO of Netflix Ted Sarandos made a video appearance. Um, talk us through his session.
0: Ted was uh and I like what you did there by the way, the TED Talk now. Nice one, just uh, Justin. Yeah. That's a very good one. I uh, yeah. wish I had had that for myself, to be honest. Uh it's throwing <laughs> me off my thought. No, um so Ted Sarandos, co-chief executive now of Netflix and and also chief content officer at the at the streaming giant, he was being uh handed the the Variety Vanguard Award uh, you know that, that happens at MIPCOM every year, and, and quite often those sessions can be a bit fluffy. You know, I've certainly heard a few in the past, but he gave a quite wide-ranging round of answers, borne out from the the, the questioning by Cynthia Littleton, the um, the moderator, and he, he he said some really interesting things, and I think it was it's indicative of the. The things he said that you know each of the international trades that we all look at and read and and, and are a part of covered very different top lines, as it were, from his speech. Um, from my perspective, I thought the interesting point was that he's been, as well as being candid, I, I noted he was somewhat combative, robust in his comment about certain things, and particularly in this case, it was about. The, the cancellation process that both broadcasters and streaming platforms go through when they're cull certain shows and, and whether to continue extending them. And I think this was born out of some recent, I want to say backlash, but opposition is probably the, the, the kindest word to say uh, to the decision to cancel GLOW, the, the female um, wrestling drama series that Netflix has. Netflix original series.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we covered that on the show a couple of weeks ago, and it was actually they'd started production. I think, I believe in the on the fourth series
0: they had, and it was the fourth and final series. But Netflix cancelled that, I think, a week ago, in around the around the first week of October, or, or as you say, a couple of weeks ago. And um, it wasn't specifically his comments weren't specifically addressing that, but he was particularly interesting on the fact that he views the the measure of success which is part of the quote old media and those were his words old media meaning traditional media was the measure of the the kind of long-standing measure of success is longevity of the show and he was saying that that is what's defined as success because it then leads to syndication in the US market and if you get to the magic hundred episodes that helps with reruns and you know your show can live in perpetuity in the media but in response to kind of opposition to shows being cancelled earlier on um, SVOD services such as as Netflix, he he was saying that this 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 measure of success is a little bit antiquated and unfortunately uh, undue attention is given to shows that are cancelled on SVOD platforms if they only run for four series. But he was making the point that so, sometimes you know it's quite rare for a show to account for 15 years worth of uh, of, of, of storylines. And in actual fact, the, the, the content runs out before the number of uh, episodes, the creative content. You know, mm. shows can get a bit tired. And his point was that, you know, we shouldn't just be looking at longevity as the measure of success for a show's life cycle. And I think that was indirectly a kind of a rebuttal to the, criticism and opposition uh, that Netflix has seen through the cancellation of shows such as Glow and One
1: Day at a Time and Tuca and Bertie. It's an interesting stance to take isn't it because surely if a series is popular and a series has got a fan base it's going to become long running and it's going to be successful and popular and, and run for a number of seasons but maybe Maybe the numbers that uh, that Netflix only Netflix has got access to were perhaps tailing off for GLOW. So maybe that is the real metric that that decision was made on.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, in the case of GLOW, it's important to point out that the, the cancellation was ascribed to problems caused by coronavirus. So they took the decision. They must have, you know, I think coronavirus uh, and the pandemic had stalled production on it and therefore they you know, they were, I think, possibly forced to take a decision uh, to go elsewhere, possibly because, you know, financial outlay in the time of coronavirus is is really tough. And people are experiencing the pinch. And if you've got a, a show, I, we don't know how much Glow costs. I mean, Netflix is quite proprietorial about how much a show costs. You know, if you've got an expensive show and other expensive shows in your pipeline, maybe the easier thing to do is to cancel the show that has come to a conclusion. They would say a conclusion. I'm sure the fans would say that hasn't come to a conclusion and put the money into newer projects. It has to be caveated with with those concepts. But but you're right. I think it is it is strange because he also made the point that a show's shelf life could be three seasons or four seasons or six or eight. So he was kind of getting up into that, you know, eight, eight, eight seasons is a, is a lot for a show. There aren't many shows out there that there have been going for eight seasons. So I didn't quite understand his point. Also, as you rightly pointed out, something like The Walking Dead, which is going into its 11th series, you know, had its 11th series announced recently. Its 10th series was one of its, it was high, high rated and people were watching. So it is a bit strange that the, that shows are, perhaps cancelled sooner rather than later i mean i i don't know what what a perfect shelf life is for a show but i'm watching 10 series of the walking Dead, and i'm not bored
1: <laughs> yes yes well no it's well it's, it's clearly something that will uh be an ongoing feature really and you know how how long some of these series go on for and as we don't know what the metrics are for these shows then i guess if we're really attached to a season uh, or a series, should I say, on on Netflix, let's just keep our fingers crossed that, we'll, that everything will get another one. You know, I watch Better Call Saul and I'm just pretty sure that, that we're going to get to the, the the final season, which has already been announced. That's interesting stuff. Now, MIPCOM is, is a place when we're all together physically, the, the rumours circulate often about executive changes, people moving jobs, people being poached and starting a new big role somewhere. But there's nothing rumour about a new promotion at Fremantle.
0: You know, we, as, you, as you say, Justin, we're always on the lookout for these these titbits and hushed words over a drink in a bar in about uh, on the Quisette about about who's going where. As you say, we don't have that opportunity. And Fremantle took the opportunity yesterday to announce their new global head of drama, Christian Vesper, um, to replace uh, their former head of global drama, Sarah Dool, um, who, who was announced that it was going to Red Production Company, that was significant for me in the sense that there were there weren't many of these announcements floating around, and also because you know uh, Christian had huge shoes to fill in Sarah Dool. I mean, you know, Fremantle's drama drama outlay over the last few years has been you know quite impressive if you, th- if you think of some of the titles. That they have had, and and that, that Sarah Dool has been a part of the young pope and the new pope, and and and, the, and those kind of titles. So his promotion is is a significant one, but you know it, it makes perfect sense. He's been there for four years. I think bringing in someone new to a production entity to oversee scripted, which is already a really expensive part of the content landscape, and is also probably the most fractious when it comes to the current situation we find ourselves in in, in in the coronavirus outbreak you know you have to really have someone who who knows knows the business the internal business really well from the get-go so it, it made perfect sense that he was he was up and his you know his expertise in international drama in his predecessing roles uh you know at sundance he helped with deutschland Eighty-three, which is obviously a massive, a massive trilogy and a quite important drama in the in the international sphere. So, yeah, that would that would, that stood out for me, um, Christians
1: Christians promotion. Congratulations to him. Obviously, a safe pair of hands by the looks of it for uh, Fremantle there. This year's MIPCOM Online Plus has diversity front and center when it comes to its keynotes. But I see there's also been a big diversity announcement from a major studio player. Talk us through that.
0: Yeah, so this was something that came up this morning, and as you as you say, Justin, I think diversity is um, uh, not just part of front and centre for Mitcom, but is is front and centre for the entire industry. But f- particularly for Mitcom, you know, it's is their part of their change for good campaign to you know increase talking points around around important areas in the in the market, in the content market, such as diversity and sustainability. And today's announcement was uh, Viacom CBS Networks International, the international <laughs> arm of. Whew, that's a quite a mouthful <laughs> of, of Viacom CBS. They were expanding their no diversity, no commissioning policy, which was um, um, introduced into the, their UK broadcaster Channel Five earlier this year, but extending it to the 180 con- countries that they. Operate in now. That was significant in itself. You know the the fact that they're making this mantra "no diversity, no commission" um, is, is quite a significant part in itself. But they also note said in my in my colleague Hannah Bowler's story that they were going to dedicate thirty percent of its budget to commissioning content related to underrepresented groups and issues. Now that is significant from a couple of points. I mean, 30% of a budget is no insignificant uh, total, and that's Viacom CBS Networks International. So that's, if you think about all the territories they operate in, that's a, that's a considerable amount of financial outlay on that kind of content. But also in relation to one of the panels that I did for Showcase Live last week, which was selling diverse content, one of the points is we want more stories from underrepresented voices, but we also need that dissemination you know that the sales the distribution of that content to be widespread as well and i think by having such a global player as viacom cbs announcing that these measures to uh, that points to their position entirely in the world i think that that represents a real step change in a further step change in in the kind of things that the tv industry wants to do around diversity so it was, a, it was a really, a really significant point. And 30% of its budget, I should say, to commissioning content related underrepresented groups and issues was in, applies to their Europe, Middle East, Africa and Asian territories. Although that's not insignificant if you, <laughs> at all, if you think about it. And then had a, they also had a 25% target for Latin America. So if you think about that, you know, uh, in terms of an outlay in those, in those massive territories, that's, that's significant.
1: No, absolutely, and we've we've seen that uh, quite a bit of that, haven't we? Announcements, particularly with domestic broadcasters like the BBC, uh, made uh, some big commitments. But it's great, as you say, to see an American international business really putting diversity front and centre in terms of their company strategy, as well as just you know, the other commissioning strategies. So it's obviously makes sense from a business perspective for them as well. Absolutely, that's that's a really significant uh, significant move, and and of course, as part of the keynotes, Sky boss Jeremy Darrick is also talking sustainability today in terms of the the wider diversification of TV, if you like. And, uh, and I was discussing with Paul Robinson in our preview show about whether we've reached a pivotal moment in the greening of the tv industry what's your view on that and what can we expect from uh, from his keynote
0: yeah well as you say sky i think earlier this year sky made a big announcement that they they've launched a range of initiatives to help deliver quite ambitious target of becoming completely net neutral zero carbon by by 2030 by by giving yourself a, a point in the calendar in the future to to become you know carbon neutral cutting emissions that's, that's set yourself you know you've got the goal and you've got to kind of stick by it otherwise you you leave yourself open for criticism it's obviously a big part of Sky's mantra but also Jeremy Darroch as the CEO you know he he has really been spearheading and Picking up the mantle for this for Sky, he's been given a, new, a newly created award, the Sustainable Development Goals Award, for um, um, which he was uh, was given for by Reed Medem for for MIPCOM. So that's 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 kind of signalling what he will be talking about. That will be a big issue for his keynote, I'm sure, and also putting out the information and the, all the things that Sky have been doing to to get to this point. You know, on the, on the road to becoming net neutral by 2030. So I expect it largely to be about sustainability and, and greening the industry. I, it will be interesting to hear what he says about that in relation to COVID. I mean, we, you know, I think one of the things that has emerged from conversation, I've heard you discussing it, Justin, as well, and on telecast is the cancellation of international conferences, you know, media events such as MIPCOM and, and, and TV and and whatever one that's have been gone in the past and been canceled that, that, you know, is part of the in a, in, a, in a converse way, uh, part of the sustainability drive. You know, we're we're travelling less around the world to go to these to these conferences, which is helping our own green efforts ourselves. We you know the TV industry routinely clocks up the air miles. Ted Sarandos said he misses the the global travel that is uh comes with his job. But I was thinking when he said that in his keynote yesterday I was thinking well yeah but uh, you're offsetting your carbon footprint quite well in that I think that's a useful thing you should probably hear well, you had an opportunity to point to that but he didn't it's going to be interesting we'll see what he says I mean I've, I've been given a kind of sneak preview about of, of his quotes which are embargoed so I can't you know I can't reveal them sadly but I think sustainability is going to be key and I think he will be you know someone in jeremy derek's position as ceo of sky will be in a good position to give off the right message to the international tv
1: industry that the 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 world needs to do better on sustainability as well and hopefully this will be a positive byproduct if there are any of this current pandemic that we're all going to take a little bit more care and a little bit, bit more thought about our actions and and the implications of, them. as you say, not being at uh, a MIPCOM that that's thirty thousand flights saved, I suppose, in one go. And although we want to be there and and, and we wished we were there, then uh, maybe it's looking at all of those other events around the calendar. And and I know we've discussed it before on the show, but maybe there's some that that maybe we we might consider doing those virtually. Now we're we're in the habit of spending a lot of our time. Uh, on zoom and everything else but interesting stuff and let's let's hope it is that uh, that real turning point because i think we all we all know that we need to do something so hopefully it's a it's a nudge and a positive outcome from uh, from this awful pandemic
0: we've had many discussions about programming that costs a lot from a green perspective we've we've talked about how much extra costs covid is putting on productions which is really important and you know with the bottom line always high up in people's minds uh, you know uh, in when they're putting together tv which is an expensive business it's important to be able to think about ways to you know, drive down costs, but also help the environment. I think that's one thing that, you know, maybe come out of the, the as you say, a, a positive byproduct, whatever that is, uh, from COVID, is perhaps people will think twice about how to put together one of those really expensive productions that involves a lot of international travel and multiple voices, and and kind of introduce ways of getting around that, be it through collaborating with people on on the ground in the territory that you want to go to. So therefore, you don't need to take a load of production equipment and team with you to a, to a location. And uh, I think that will set up some really important conversations from the production side, not just the moving around to go to international events.
1: And finally, looking at MIPCOM Online Plus, uh, it's been said by many people that it's a distributor's market this year uh, more than anything else. Have you seen any interesting announcements about shows that are traveling well? Yeah
0: I I have and and it's not I wouldn't say it's the you know the super glamorous big international dramas that we that often are showcased at at, at MIPCOM and and stuff like that we often read stories about people launching their huge international dramas with the biggest amount of talent that traverse the world and are have been snapped up by the Netflixes and the Amazon Primes for global rights and have big, big budgets attached to them. It was something that I noticed yesterday, a very domestic drama, an English drama, a drama, I think, to the, that will point to your own heart from, you know, set in the Yorkshire Dales uh, at Justin. Playground Entertainment's all Creatures Great and Small reboot, which was aired
1: on, ah, yes.
0: yeah, cha- aired on Channel 5 recently. And, 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 it, you know, it smashed Channel 5 drama records when it first uh, came on. It, it has been, it's gone, it's gone around the world. You know, it's a, a drama about um, a young country vet in the Yorkshire Dales in the 1930s. Doesn't necessarily scream international smash hit, but, you know, it's been picked up by Acorn, the AMC Network's streamer. Uh, for South and Central America, I imagine you know a story about the Yorkshire Dales being broadcast in South and Central America. I don't think we can. That's right. We- it's my it's my backyard. Exactly, exactly, and and also Acorn have picked that up for the UK, Ireland, and Malta. So it, it, it's a it's a an, an, a very English, very domestic drama that has gone around the world, and it's obviously also been picked up um, in in places as far flung as New Zealand and Australia. And, and and Asia. So I just thought that was a really interesting, you know, an, a positive TV story because we've been told recently that, you know, buyers and commissioners are looking for feel-good escapist content. And this apparently, absolutely, I haven't seen it yet, to my chagrin, absolutely pertains to that. It is a, it is a, a, a very feel-good, bucolic, domestic drama that has... Being picked up by international broadcasters and platforms because that is what the content people want. They want good, feel-good, escapist
1: content. Yorkshire content is Yorkshire what they content. Want. That's exactly what it yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Very good. Well, no, um, like you, I haven't seen uh, All Creatures Great and Small. Yeah, so obviously i grew up with the original you know giving away my age there no it's a it's a fantastic series i'm sure so certainly the books uh, books are fantastic and the original series was too so congratulations to everybody uh, involved in uh, in that show great to see some uh, international success so well john we've come to the end of our mipcom roundup for today Thank you so much for taking the time out in what's a, an extremely busy time to, to speak to me. And I hope you're going to come back on the show at some point very soon.
0: I would love to. If, you, if I haven't completely burnt my bridge by appearing on this, <laughs> on this for the first time, I would be delighted to come back in the future, Justin.
1: Fantastic. Well, uh, good luck for the rest of uh, MIPCOM Online Plus. We'll see you soon. Take care. Well, that's it for our second MIPCOM special show. Tomorrow, I'll be joined by Deadline's international editor, Jake Cantor, as we cover off the key talking points of day three of MIPCOM Online+. Plus. Until then, stay safe.